Welcome to the 55th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and hermit in the basement of your local cineplex, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, man? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. You know, yeah. Cineplex is open. It's happened. Finally. I know, my friend. I'm very excited about that. We uh, we were lucky enough to go on the first day um, and watched Black Widow, which we'll I guess we'll talk about shortly. But yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy that theaters are back open. It's very surreal. It's very surreal. I mean, we hope it lasts, but you never know, you know? Don't put that out into the universe, man. Negative Nancy over here. Look, man. It's, I'm not that superstitious. We're doing good. Let's just, let's just, let's enjoy it while we can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I found though? I no. find that there's just not that many, I don't know. It doesn't feel like there's that many movies in these theaters that they could have, you know, could be there. I, I feel like that there's like missed opportunities. I think uh, you mentioned last week that your most anticipated movie is In the Heights, mm-hmm. but that is not somehow in theaters in, in Guelph at all. And in most of the surrounding areas in Canada, it's not available. Yeah, it's, uh, I think, available in two theaters near here. Um, both theaters are 75 plus kilometers away. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty unfortunate. I don't really want to drive that far. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they'll add it back into the theaters or maybe like the Princess Twin or something will get it. Or the Princess Original, which is like the small like indie theater. Um in Waterloo. I'm hoping I'm hoping we get something there. But worst case, I guess I'll just watch it at home. I just would have much preferred to see that on the big screen. Yeah, it's weird though, because it's not like an independent film. That's what you usually find going to Princess Twin. Yeah. So Yeah, n- not always though. I feel like they, they do do a lot of these like artsy, more artsy movies and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, like they had La La Land and stuff there too. Um after like it was out of Cineplex. So I don't know. Uh it is a little bit disappointing. I do agree with you. And uh, I'm hoping they, yeah, just add it back into the Cineplex theaters. But I, I don't know if that's going to be the case because from here on out, it just seems like there's a bunch of movies coming out every week in theaters, like at least two or three a week. So it's going to be tough to balance. Yeah, no, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting as we go forward. And we're going to talk about what movie we did see in theaters in a little bit. Uh, but before that, I'd like to talk to you briefly here, just to open our show, about the Deadpool Korg crossover thing. Did you mm-hmm. see that on uh, on like uh, Instagram? It may have been on Twitter as well. Yeah, man, I did see that. It was awesome. It's uh, Deadpool's first official appearance in the MCU. And I think uh, him appearing next to Korg. I mean, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Taika Waititi, they already have really good chemistry. Like they've been in a few movies together. Uh, most recently, the, the, the Free Guy movie that's coming out, I think mid-August. Like they, they star in that together, which is kind of neat. Yeah, I know. And, and I mean, they... They reference that in that in that mm-hmm. clip that they have as well on social media. Yeah, but yeah, it's super cool. I, I like it. I think that was a smart marketing decision, and um, it makes me a little bit more confident that we we are just going to keep this original Deadpool vision that Ryan Reynolds came up with. And uh, I don't know, like I'm exci- I want to see more of these little crossovers. I would honestly be okay if we just got a bunch of little Deadpool shorts with like a bunch of the MCU actors. 
And that's how he's kind of folded into it. Yeah, I definitely wear uh, Deadpool shorts. That sounds great. Anyways, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would like to see that. You wearing Deadpool shorts. I don't even like shorts. Um, I don't even like shorts. I barely wear shorts ever. When I'm working out or you know playing basketball or something like that, then I'll wear shorts. But I'm not a big fan of shorts, actually. I like wearing shorts at home, but I much prefer the sweatpants. Yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I don't need people seeing my legs. There's no there's no there's no need. Do you not have nice legs? Are you afraid? Are you self-conscious no, about it's your not legs? About that. I just feel, no, I just feel Do like Do you skip leg day at the gym? Well, you can still see that through pants when I'm not wearing giant baggy pants to accentuate mm. my unleg dayed <laughs> legs. Come on. But uh yeah, I am excited about this. It's cool. We talked about the Deadpool situation before. We were saying that we're talking about how like we were wondering how they were going to do swearing in the MCU, but it kind of answered our question pretty quickly. I don't know. I mean, this is still it's where was this? Do you know where? Sorry, do you know where this was actually posted? Other than on Ryan Reynolds Reynolds's page? No, that's where I saw it. So yeah, I, me too. I didn't really look into that. I'm kind of curious because depending on where it was, I don't think it was on Marvel's page. Like I, I wonder if this is the official way they're going to do it because again they beeped out his swearing. When he's swearing, and, and that's the quite, quite what I thought they would do if they had him in the MCU, mm-hmm. like in, a, in an Avengers movie, they, they could just beep it out, like you know, one or two beeps. It won't really matter that much. Yeah, yeah. That, that I feel like we talked about that previously. That I think that would be a unique and um, great way to bring that into the MCU, where it's still, and he can break the fourth wall about that. You know, like just be like, "What the bleep? Like, why? Why the hell are they bleeping out my bleeps? Blah 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 blah." Um, and I feel like it would just add to the comedy because, again, like Deadpool's character is more than just him swearing. I feel like you can easily just fold him in and not have him drop F-bombs galore and just, again, yeah, fold, like cover that up with a bleep or two. For sure. Mm-hmm. I think like, again, him breaking the fourth wall in that way is the key. It's just to say like, you know, I can't say certain things. Like, for instance, be like you get, you can like right when I'm on this particular when I'm in this particular movie because he knows he's in a movie whereas the other characters don't necessarily know that so mm-hmm. yeah you could just keep doing that over time and then when you're in your rated R Deadpool three which I'm assuming is rated R I think that that was that was already announced then you don't have to worry about that and you can say whatever the heck you want because mm-hmm. he says more vulgar things than just swears though exactly in, like Deadpool two and, and one so he's got we got to have that flavor in the I think the Deadpool three four five however number whatever number they end up going up to. But yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I'm excited for this. Super I, cool. I do really like Korg as well. So yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> when I, you know, when I, uh, when I get on my ship anyway, <laughs> spooky circle. Yeah. Just the, just the, just the spooky circle. Yeah. All I right. do want to br- briefly say that we are recording this podcast very early. Far earlier than usual, even earlier than last week's early recording, usual. Yes. Um. So I don't know if it's coming through, but I feel like I sound tired. A little bit. And that is because I, I am. However, I'm drinking a coffee, so there's definitely going to be a shift midway through the episode where, where my personality will change and maybe the energy will go up. And maybe it will be higher than even before. It's not like you drink caffeine generally throughout our episodes. So I feel like maybe you'll be even higher energy by the end of this than you've ever been on on any podcast episode. Honestly, it's possible because yeah, we usually record at, you know, 10 or 11 PM sometimes. After work, usually. Yeah. Yeah, For both of us. And like, I I usually have a coffee around like five or six. Right. To get me through that final stretch, but never during an episode. So 
Mm. We'll see how that uh, takes me. Okay. Where, where it will take me, man. It's exciting. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool, man. Super cool. Well, let's reach into the mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email, the Podcast at gmail.com. And longtime listener Kenneth Stadelbauer wrote into us once again, and he said, like two peas in a podcast <laughs> about David Bruce Banner. Whilst I'm not in a position to validate the veracity of the claim, when the Incredible Hulk series aired... Marvel joked that CBS insisted on changing Banner's name to David because Bruce wasn't manly enough. Mm. Since Simon has seen some episodes of the television show, had you noticed that Edward Norton based his Bruce Banner on the Bill Bixby version? Even one of the flashbacks from the movie was, was in a lab that looked like a copy of the TV version. Let's, uh, let's address this. Let's address this uh, for a second. We talked last week about the, that uh, the TV series with uh, Lou Ferrigno as as the Hulk and uh, Bixby, Bill Bixby as Bruce. Sorry, David, not Bruce Banner. But that's a ridiculous reason. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's pretty ridiculous to, to name him David just, just because it's not manly enough. But anyway, that's, it seems silly. But I don't the, know. Yeah, I find it. Yeah. I just find it odd as well. Like what makes David a manlier name than Bruce? I don't know. Is it because it's just harder? You know, like David, you know, there's like duh, duh. As opposed to just Bruce. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. Apparently, and according to Kenneth, he sent me a message actually on Facebook um, after he sent the email that Bruce, the name Bruce was thought to be too gay-ish, which is just a ridiculous sentiment. And according to Wikipedia, Lou Ferrigno specifically said on this topic that the idea of the name Bruce being too gay-ish is the most absurd and ridiculous thing he has ever heard. So, again, it's ridiculous, but I guess that was the time in which this was made, the 1970s. Bruce equals gay-ish. Understood. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But moving on, the other part that uh, Ken was talking about here was the fact that I had seen some episodes, which I, which I had mentioned, uh, of this series. I feel like I've seen a lot of these episodes. I think it was on TV Land. I think I said that last week. Um, but regardless... Regardless, I did notice that in the movie with Edward Norton. And I was very disappointed that Edward Norton was not in, as maybe others were as well, that he wasn't going to be in Avengers. Although I love Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, so no problem. But um, the Edward Norton, there was a moment in that movie, the the most, I feel like, referential piece of The Incredible Hulk that referenced this TV series was, I swear, I'm like 99% positive they used a piece of the music from the show in the movie at one specific point, and maybe multiple specific points. And I noticed it because I loved the music from that show. I mm-hmm. thought it was actually pretty iconic. So I, I was like, wow, they're actually referencing this show like head on. I was like, I wonder if anyone else noticed this. And everyone I ever said it to pretty much, I, I don't think anyone noticed it because they hadn't watched the show. But Ken has, and I bet Ken noticed this as well uh, during the movie. There's this moment, he's in like this market square. I even remember the moment. And the, during this moment, he, I, can't, I don't know if you remember that, but it's like this, it's kind of like this uh, bizarre type place somewhere around the world. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he's just sitting there, I think. And then they play the music. He goes near the beginning of the movie. But anyway, yeah, great music. And uh, I like that show quite a bit, but uh, that's a ridiculous reason not to name somebody De- uh, Bruce Banner. That's just really stupid. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to further into his email where he said, 
Last pod year, a question came up pondering what fantasy world you would like to live in. I'd like to throw Monstropolis out there as a choice. I think I could become quite rich working at the revamped Monsters Incorporated. Mm-hmm. No argument there, Ken. No argument there. I am proud of you for holding back from making a plug for Animal Crossing when you were talking about the world's deadliest animals. I, I feel like that's not what Animal Crossing is about, but I, I still don't know. I'm, it, I'm, I'm in the dark as to what Animal Crossing the video game is about. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, he continued. As an aside, did you know that killer whales have never killed humans in the wild? The only incidences of humans being killed is when the orcas are in captivity. They will gladly nom down on seals, whales, and other dolphins. But they do not see humans as food, unlike those opportunistic dicks, the sharks. Signed, Kenneth. And a quote here. Can't think of another superhero that isn't in costume or CGI. Worked damn hard on my diet and exercise for the Hulk. Wasn't going to let anyone down. The Hulk was my hero as a kid as well. A... Quote by Lou Ferrigno, and Ken wrote a little caveat, not necessarily attacking buff actors like Cavill and Hemsworth, but pointing out that his Hulk was shirtless in every scene. Mm. Okay. Right on, Lou. Right on. Yeah. Um, I- That's why that show came up, by the way, last week, specifically because mm. Lou Ferrigno was calling out the Marvel movies be- for being kind of hacky because of the CGI. They got CGI muscles, not real muscles. I'm Lou Ferrigno. Right. Um, I actually did know that fact about orcas, like the killer whales. Not killing people in the wild. Yeah. I knew about that. The reason we brought that up last week is because we talked about how sharks kill a certain number of people every year. But I I feel like the real reason we brought it up is to say that it's actually not that – they're not as dangerous as people think they are. Mm -hmm. They're less opportunistic than, for instance, the hippopotamus, which we discussed. Yeah, which which you were very surprised about. Yeah, That statistic is insane. But anyway. It's nuts, dude. I know. It's nuts. Hippos are like crazy, man. Another on the topic of animals real quick. I read this story about this dude that saved a crocodile after it got shot in the eye from some hunters. Oh, and he like raised this crocodile over many years. And, you know, like he like once the crocodile was fully healed, he like brought it back to a river and let it out. And the crocodile found its way back to the guy's like house and like ended up living in the rest of his life in like a pond near this guy's house. And this guy would go swimming with this crocodile. They would like hug and stuff. What? The crocodile would like, yeah, it would like run over um, to, or like swim over to him with his mouth open and then close it just before he got there just to play with the the guy. I forget what the crocodile's name was, but it's a true story. True story. Yeah. It was the rest of the man's life. Cause the man was killed by the no. crocodile. No, the crocodile survived. Uh, sorry. Uh, he, he never attacked the guy ever. And, like, the crocodile was actually super, like, friendly towards other humans that he was, like, introduced to. And now this crocodile is in a museum. Um, a museum? I'm going to Google this. Yeah. Because he, he passed away. Like a glass cage? Oh. Like, the, the crocodile passed away. Um, okay. Just from natural causes, though, like, after many okay. years. Um, but, yeah. it's That's a cool story. Yeah. Um, what, what, Cheeto. Cheeto is the croc- was the crocodile's name. And it was, it took place in Costa Rica. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Adrian, tell me, my friend, what have you been watching this week? Simon, I've watched a few things this week. Um, quite a few things, actually, but I'll keep it brief for most of these. So I'll start with a, a TV show. Um, Atypical, fourth, Atypical's fourth and final season released on Netflix. Are you familiar with the show, Simon? I think you talked about it on this show. So right on. That is my that is the breadth of my 
familiarity. Yeah, so it's a it's a great show. I really like it. Um, and it wrapped up very well. It's this uh, again Netflix original show. It it uh, the main character is uh like a like a like a dude with autism. Um who's like probably 18, 19 years old. And you're just kind of following his life and like how his family is like helping him and all of this sort of stuff. But it's a very just like upbeat sort of sitcom uh, show where again, it, it delves into like issues with, you know, um, people not understanding how autism works and everything like that, uh, as well as like talking about, you know, uh, race stuff and, and, you know, like families having going through divorce, et cetera. So on, like it, it touches on a lot of topics and it's a fairly deep show, but um, yeah, I really like it. And it's, it's a very easy watch with, uh, again, a, a nice conclusion, a very good ending. Um, so I really recommend it again. It, it taught me a lot about autism, to be honest with you and, um, how to kind of view it through, uh, a different lens. Um, and you know, not it just being, I feel like autism in a lot of shows or TV or, or movies or whatever, whenever shown, it's usually just some like kid like banging his head against his hands or something like that and screaming but this show kind of dives way deeper into it and you know shows that there are different sort of coping mechanisms and people on the spectrum are very different from one another you it's not like one size fits all and again it's very enlightening and it's a it's a really good show in general uh probably the biggest known actor in the show is jennifer jason lee who i really like i think she's great uh, in pretty much everything I see her and she plays the mom. And again, it's a very cool family dynamic. Uh, the main character uh, has uh, like a younger sister uh, by a couple of years and just the way she treats him and how she know she, she's always there for him. And it's very just heartfelt and charming and funny. Um, but yeah, I really like the show. I really recommend it if you're just looking for an easy watch. And again, it, it might teach you a thing or two about um, autism and also other, other sort of um, just like, I guess touchy topics is the best way to put it. Um, but yeah, I really like it. And it was a, it was a cool finish. Um, the main character is played by Keir Gilchrist. I believe uh, that's, that's his name. I knew him from uh, the movie. It follows, um, but he's also in a couple of other things, including two heavy metal bands, uh, which I found. And he's like the vocalist. And it's like, he just goes hard. Like it's very like guttural, dirty vocalist um, vocals. Sorry. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of metal music. So that was kind of a cool find. I, I, I was just researching about him and then I came across his two bands and like this, this was some great stuff. But yeah, I really like it. I think um, I think it's a great show and uh, I highly recommend it. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Cool, 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 cool. What else have you been watching this week? Anything else? Yes, Simon. So last week. I talked about the new Resident Evil uh, TV series that aired on Netflix and how you did. You did indeed. Uh, how shitty I thought it was <laughs> just to be blunt about it. And, you know, I was pretty disappointed. I was like, I, I want some good Resident Evil watching content. And uh, I know that there is uh, a new Resident Evil movie series that's coming out later this year. And that's more than uh, that. They just keep making things. They've got like many things in the pipeline. Yeah, they're also doing the live action Resident Evil show too, which is separate from this movie. Right. It's kind of confusing. It is. Um, but anyways, uh, like I, I'm pretty excited about the movie. It has like a pretty solid cast. And I knew that the director, uh, his name is Johannes Roberts, I believe. Just verify that. Is it Johans? Make sure I'm not. Johan Roberts. Johans. 
Yeah, it's Johannes Roberts, I guess, is probably how you pronounce it. it um, but he's it? directing. Is that close at all? Johannes. I think it's Johannes. Whatever, man. I'm trying, okay? All that matters is I'm trying. Johannes Roberts. Oh, you're right. I'm an asshole. Oh, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, you are an asshole. <laughs> Fuck you, Simon. I'm wrong. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. You did it. You did it. I appreciate, appreciate uh, your accuracy. I don't know how I was... I thought it was Johannes Roberts. That's what I thought it was. Johannes. Johannes mm. Roberts. Right, anyway, continue. Yeah. I apologize for yelling at you like that. It was rude. And uh, I didn't mean it. I don't necessarily forgive you, but tell me what you're about to say. Come on, let's go. So and so I was like, you know, this guy's directing that new Resident Evil movie. Let me see one of his movies that he directed. And uh, 47 Meters Down was one of those movies. And uh, it stars Mandy Moore. And it's not a good movie. No. No. <laughs> Um, it is, I would go as far as to say it is a bad movie. Okay. Now it does some unique things because the majority of the movie takes place underwater in scuba suits. So although it's a neat idea, it's hard to act when you're underwater in scuba suits and you don't see anyone's facial expressions. So the entire movie just seems like you're watching video and people are doing voiceover because that's exactly what is happening in the video, in the, in the movie. Um, and it's just a whole lot of exposition. It's very poorly written. Literally everyone just explains it. The entire movie is tell as opposed to show. Mm, that's problematic. Um, because every character is saying exactly what they're doing and why they are doing it. Yeah. And the premise of the movie, simply put, is Mandy Moore, she, uh, she breaks up with her like boyfriend or whatever. We're just kind of thrown into this. It feels like the beginning of the movie is 20 minutes into a, a, a movie, <laughs> um, which is weird to say. But anyways, Mandy Moore, she's with her sister. They're in some Bahamas-like location or whatever, um, dealing with a, a breakup of her boyfriend. And they meet these two uh, two people that are like, oh, you should come scuba diving with us. We, we can go into a shark cage and look at sharks. And they're like, yeah, sure. Let's go for it. And they go. And long story short, when they get into the little cage, the line rips and they fall 47 meters down. Hence the name of the movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Crazy. Um, and literally the movie is just a lot of like them talking over uh, like walkies or whatever radios uh, to the people above the water, like that are on the ship being like, Hey, be careful down there. There are sharks. The sharks will attack you. And I'm not like when I'm, when I'm doing this delivery, I'm doing it justice. I'm not joking. Like I'm not being hyperbolic or anything. That is how the people talk in the movie, like almost the entire time when they're talking on radio, except for like Mandy Moore and the, and the girl, but the person they're talking to up, on the boat. It's like some dude literally reading lines. He's like, be careful. There are sharks under the water. Also, no, you way. can't come up. I'm not that bad. I'm not even joking. I'm not no joking, way. Simon. It is that bad. And, th and then it's also like, also be careful. Uh, you can't come up too fast because if you come up too fast, you'll get the bends. The bends is when nitrogen bubbles enter your bloodstream. It can also cause hallucinations. I'm not fucking with you, Simon. That's how the movie goes. And it's just like... He explained what the bends was? Literally like that. And they do it like three times, just in case you forgot in this hour and a half long movie. That, like they just explain it. And it keeps on going like, you can try to come up, but you have to come up slowly because you could get the bends. But be careful. There are sharks swimming around and they might get you. And it's like, oh my God. Like it's, it's painful dialogue. 
Also, the movie itself doesn't look that great, um, like just in general. To be fair, it was very low budget, only a $5.3 million budget. Okay. Um, but I feel like you could make a better movie with way less money, better looking movie with way less money. Um, the CGI of the shark is uh, sharks, I guess, is atrocious. It's barely in the movie, mind you. Uh, I was I was more expecting this shark to be like, you know, circling the cage at all times and and having this extra sense of danger. But it, I feel like they try to go almost like a the shark is like a like a like a Jason Voorhees style where it's just kind of swinging around and, and it appears out of nowhere. And, you know, like they hide behind like a rock underwater. And for whatever reason, the shark just swims past this rock. And it's it's weird. It's not done well. I think Mandy Moore did a relatively good job, you know, delivering her lines, considering you don't see her face um, and her face is literally fully covered the entire movie. But again, the dialogue is just so poorly written. It's hard to it's hard to really care. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't recommend this movie. OK, I don't recommend this movie. That's crazy. Yeah. So what are you thinking? You're looking forward to that Resident Evil movie or what? No, it it made me disappointed. It made me being like, damn, maybe this Resident Evil movie is going to suck and uh, probably will. Well, like uh, when I did the write up for Johannes, Johannes Roberts, uh, Johannes Roberts doing the movie, like I think he, he, they filmed it in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. Uh, mm. When I talked about it, I'm pretty sure the movie I referenced that he was a director of prior to this Resident Evil film was the 47 meters down. So it was. I because I think it's the most well-known movie that he's made. If you look at his like IMDb listing, like there's not a lot of movies there that are more well-known. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, to say the least. I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. sorry for your potential loss because I know you love Resident Evil. Yeah, it is kind of unfortunate. Also, there's like a couple of things where to like make the shark go away, they like light a flare. And the shark is like swimming towards them. And then as soon as they light the flare, the shark like turns away and goes away. I was like, I highly doubt sharks are afraid of flares. I Googled it. They're not, they're not afraid of flares. Great. So awesome. It's also not scientifically accurate. Although they try to seem scientifically accurate because they tell you what the bends is and say nitrogen bubbles like 800 times. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question here about Resident Evil. You love Resident Evil, the game series a lot. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking about, a legitimate yeah. question. Do you find that the story is fantastic enough to even create a movie that's awesome? Because, again, video game movies just don't do well. Would Resident Evil be something you would make into a movie that's actually a legitimately good movie? Or do you think that's something that's kind of like a pipe dream and people really shouldn't use this? Like, I believe that The Last of Us legitimately can be an incredible series on HBO. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm questioning whether Resident Evil can be an incredible movie at all. And then you hire these kind of directors, but we'll get to that in a second. What do you think about that specifically? I think you could make it into a good movie. I mean, the, the first Resident Evil game has like notoriously bad written dialogue and I know. awful delivery. Um, so but if you the, the premise of those games are really good. And again, I, I really like Resident Evil 2 remake and Resident Evil 3 remake. I think the stories there, are, they, they're pretty damn good and, and they're not poorly written. It's very... It's very obvious that they updated it um, with these remakes. And I think a lot of what I love about Resident Evil personally um, isn't necessarily the story, but it's the experience of so that's a video game though. being absolutely terrified. And yeah, 
I don't know how well you can translate that onto like the big screen. I know because well, that's what my point is. I, I think about yeah, like I think about Resident Evil Two remake. My my biggest memories from that game isn't the story. It's being chased in this police station by this like force that doesn't stop chasing you ever. Like throughout the entire game, there's always this big guy just walking through and he's terrifying looking. And once he once he appears, he just keeps on coming after you and you have to like move around the police station slowly and stuff. And I know you can recreate that on a screen, but at the same time, it's it def- I don't know how well you can do it. Yeah. Um, like that leads to my, me to my second point, um, which is. Okay, sure. Let's say you're going to going to attempt to do this. They keep picking these directors that are just not well regarded as in they're not making anything particularly amazing. They're, you're not mm-hmm. hiring the Taika Waititi's or the Chloe Zhao's of the world to make this Resident Evil anything so far. Like the the movies that have already come out, this new movie, I don't think the movie ah, I could be wrong, but the creator for the TV series isn't like extremely well regarded. I'm saying like extremely well regarded. Like Johannes Roberts can make something cool, I'm sure, but like, yeah, we haven't seen it yet. So, is it like it's like why do they keep hiring these directors when they're making so many attempts? It's it's odd to me that the number of attempts keep happening. There's so many attempts, but each attempt is like we're gonna just half ass it, half measures for all. Like, why? I don't understand why even redo it at all. Mm-hmm. It's strange. It's just strange to me. I was thinking based on what you just said, should they do something like Hardcore Henry? Where they do it in first person, like uh, we don't see that very often, and that movie to me was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't particularly beloved by critics, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like that would be kind of neat. Uh, Resident Evil Seven and Eight are in first person, and uh, the main character of that, Ethan, he's I would I would argue he's a little bit underdeveloped. I like him as a character, but I think you're meant to be put in his shoes, sort of thing, when you're playing those games. So it would be interesting if they did that. Um, but again, I feel like I feel like it, you could make a really good Resident Evil movie. You just have to take time to write a proper script and and make sure you get good actors and stuff, which I think they did get good actors for this uh, reboot movie. But again, like I just it's about balancing that campy nature that a lot of the games have with awesome sort of horror elements. Um, and again, the characters in the games are very memorable. Like I know Leon Kennedy, I know Claire Redfield, I know Chris Redfield, uh, you know, I know Jill, I know these characters and I like them. Um, and they're, 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 they're cool characters. And I feel like you could make a really good movie using these characters, but already uh, we talked about that. They're folding in the first and the second game into one movie. And it's kind of just like, why do that? You could easily make a movie just in the mansion that the first uh, movie takes place. And then again, the second movie, it takes place in a police station. Um, Like you could, and and it's also different characters. So it's, it's pretty unfortunate that they, uh, they decided to kind of merge this into one movie and not kind of connect it later on down the line. Yeah. It seems impatient is the best way to put it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Mm. This is odd to me. They just keep, keep making them they keep making them so we'll see i guess we'll see when you watch this new film and it eventually comes out what you think of it and whether you think it was worth it to make remake it again Mm -hmm. for the whatever sixth time or how many times they've done it but anyway cool man but uh have you watched anything else this week 47 meters down atypical season four and anything else uh yeah fear street part three 1666 baby the final movie in the fear street trilogy and um 
I'll keep it brief. It's freaking awesome. All three of these movies are awesome. They nailed, they nailed it. They knocked it out of the park. I absolutely adore this trilogy of movies. The 1666 one, I was worried that maybe I wouldn't like it too much. Cause like the, the setting, I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know how I feel about period pieces all that much, but again, I was, I was gripped right off the bat. I, uh, I, I was, I was down to watch it and, and um, yeah, it, it totally exceeded my expectations. And there's a cool little twist partway through the movie that I just didn't see coming. And I was like, Oh man, this is awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited um, that uh, oh, I forget the director's name, Lee Janiak or Janiak, Lee Janiak. Uh, yeah. Lee Janiak. Yes. Is it, do we pronounce the J? I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Lee Janiak. I mean, she's from Ohio. So I'll just say Janiak. Um, but yeah, like uh, she really knocked it out of the park with all three of these movies. I really like them. I highly recommend them. She's only done one movie before these movies, actually. And it came out in 2014 called Honeymoon, uh, which is reviewed relatively well. I think it's like a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm curious about going back and watching that. It's also like a horror thriller movie, but um, I don't know if it's based on anything like these Fear Street movies are based on the R.L. Stein novels. Um, yeah, man, I highly recommend it. I think they're definitely worth the watch. They're really fun times. They're they're self-aware uh they're awesome. I love them. I love them. I genuinely love these movies. It's crazy. Like she kind of increased her her clout with the audience and the critics as she went forward because like this movie is ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The other two were in the low to high eighties. So it's crazy and incredible that she was able to end on a high. Like they didn't. It didn't just simmer and die after like the second one or something like that. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool thing, and especially because she's just not well known. As you just mentioned. Yeah. So it's pretty neat. 94% Rotten Tomatoes for the part three. That's great. She should have been hired for this Resident Evil reboot movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, she didn't have a, a vision for it. Yeah. It, it seemed like, to be honest, that uh, Robert's like, he specifically likes Resident Evil. Like he said that in a mm-hmm. quote. He's like, I like this series and I know where I'm going to go with it. So we'll see what happens. But anyway. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's all for the Fear Street movie trilogy, the three week event on Netflix. Take some time, watch it. It's about six hours in total. They're each about two hours each, and they're a really fun time, um, especially bloody and gory, too, which is fun, too. Cool. I love it. I love it. What have you watched, man? I, I've been talking too much. What have you watched? Um, this week, I was very Marvel-centric. I, I watched Ooh. I watched Loki, of course. It finished. The season one finished, and we do have plans to create in a closer look episode where we dive deep into what, everything Loki season one. But honestly, um, I loved it. I think that it ended extremely well and way better than I thought it would in terms of kind of, it, it did exceed my expectations. I don't know about you. I agree with you completely. It definitely did. And I feel like this is the first Marvel show that ended on a high, arguably, where I- Stuck the landing, as you said. Yeah, where I feel like, unfortunately, as much as I love WandaVision- I don't think that last episode's great. Like, I think it's just okay. And th- there's a there's memorable scenes in that last episode, but I don't think it was a good finish. Uh, and again, I, I doubled down on that with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I agree with you. The uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it felt like they just kind of, it felt rushed for, honestly, WandaVision and for Falcon in the Winter Soldier. And so that's kind of something that we talked about previously. We also talked about how we kind of felt like they just, 
there's a lot of risk aversion. Like they were afraid to take big swings. And I think that Loki took some swings that were actually pretty mm-hmm. admirable. So again, we'll talk about that. A closer look, of course, is a, a segment of split focus in which we um, create separate episodes, like the bonus episodes. Uh, everything's free for us. So it's just on our, our channel. Uh, and you can check them out and it'll probably be like a 40 minute kind of review of the entire season that will come out likely on Friday, maybe a little earlier, depending on how I'm feeling and maybe make them out on Wednesday, um, which is two days from when you're potentially, well, when this is airing anyway. Um, but cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll go into Loki later. The other thing I watched, which is probably obvious to the audience, we went to Cineplex yesterday from today, I guess, and we watched Black Widow. Um, in our Cineplex, our local Guelph Cineplex theater, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Black Widow film, which was delayed multiple times, was supposed to come out last spring and, and finally came out like last week. And uh, we got to finally go to see it in Canada because the theaters opened on, in Ontario. So that's why we waited. We weren't going to watch it on Premier Access because we're not really a fan of Premier Access, or at least I'm not. Don't want to speak for you, Adrian. And uh, yeah, Black Widow. What did you think of Black Widow, Adrian? We both went together. Of course, we didn't talk inside the theater because that would be blasphemous. We don't talk outside this yeah, podcast. Yeah, we never talk but, outside this podcast, James. But yeah, what did you think of the movie? Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it's definitely not my favorite Marvel movie. Um, but I do think there are some big highlights in the movie. I'm very excited to see what's to come in the future because the after credit scene uh, sets up some interesting things. I really love Florence Pugh. Uh, I think she is a phenomenal actor and she is, in my opinion, the highlight of this movie, David Harbour being a close second as well. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, those two specifically were my my highlights mm-hmm. in terms of acting. I did think Scarlett Johansson was great great as well. but Yeah, I mean, she always is. Like, uh, I, I love uh, watching Scarlett Johansson. It's cool that we got to see her again. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like this movie... As much as I enjoyed it, and it was very like spy, espionage, thriller, more Winter Soldier than um, Loki, as an example, um, I I didn't love it. I didn't love it. I see. Can you put a yeah. finger on that, or not really? I don't know. There was just, it just there's something that maybe I wasn't in the right mindset or whatever, but it just wasn't hitting the spot. Like I feel like there was a lot of. It's very action heavy and the action scenes are pretty awesome, but I feel like the story itself, like what, what's happening, why, you know, Black Widow is going on this journey, yada, yada, yada. I just found it kind of uh, uninteresting for lack of a better term. I wasn't very invested about this. It felt like a, it felt like a filler episode. We already know, you know, Black Widow's fate and everything like that and, I I was worried that things that happen in this movie were not going to aren't really going to impact the wider universe, although I think it will uh, to a certain extent. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just was left a little bit almost wanting more. I I wanted more. It wasn't the movie I was looking forward to for this long. Um, And uh, I don't know. Like, that's just that's my personal opinion. Of course, I still think it's a good movie. I guess I still think it's pretty good and it's an enjoyable time. Definitely worth watching. But yeah, there's something uh, just missing for me that I, I, I wanted to love it, but I, I didn't. I see. Yeah, yeah. The, um, here's what I would say. You said it was very action-heavy. I agree. Very action-heavy. Um, but the problem with the action, in my opinion, is I found that the choreography was arguably not very memorable. And that's one of the things that mm-hmm. bothered me is that we're just like, oh, another action sequence. And I say this with full well knowledge that maybe in the entire MCU – 
that the Black Widow action sequence in Civil War uh, in the very beginning of the movie is maybe the best fight choreography in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I don't know if you feel like that, but it's, yeah, I, I just find that that it's, it felt like there were so many action scenes, but they just didn't seem to be more than, hey, we're going into an action sequence. Like they weren't terrible. They were, they were just uh, average. Yeah. They're very average yeah. and there's a lot of them. Yeah, that's a good, that's a very good point. I think there's one memorable like action scene and it's like a I don't know, it's maybe a 10-minute chase sequence like through the streets of like Budapest, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. But other than that, like I didn't care too much for the, the action. I think the inclusion of Taskmaster, although a cool character and I like what they did with that character, uh I felt like it, they were underutilized. And yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely yeah, man, maybe that's what it was. Like cuz it just felt like hey, on to the next set piece a lot of the time. And I was kind of just, don't want to say bored, but yeah, it didn't feel as awesome as like, even at the beginning of like Winter Soldier, I, I, I remember that, like when they land on the, the, the big ship and, you know, Cap is just going through it, just throwing his shield. And I remember that being like a turning point for me in the MCU being like, holy shit, like this is what this action can be. And I yeah. feel like they missed the mark in this one. Although there, again, there are some cool action scenes, but yeah, definitely not as memorable as like winter soldier or even civil war um so yeah good yeah that's a good call maybe that's what it was <laughs> well it's it's a weird thing like the those guys the russo brothers seem to be very good at that if you look at their tra- their track record in each one of their movies you see these very memorable moments in in terms of fight choreography and fight scenes yeah there's cgi in a lot of these but civil war winter soldier even infinity war and Endgame, you see very specific moments where like dr strange is an example fighting thanos it's like extremely iconic it, it like mm-hmm. there's clear there's nothing like that previously but in this they currently are like oh we know what black widow can do she's just gonna fight things like well no that's not your goal your goal is to really create a memorable scene that we can really like say, oh, wow, do you remember when Black Widow did that? But we, we don't have anything here. And I don't know, they're going through the motions. The weird thing is that the plot elements, the, the family dynamic, things like that with Red Guardian and, and Black Widow and Yelena Belova, that part of the movie is amazing. In fact, I would go so far, go so far as to say that this movie, Black Widow, has the best opening of any Marvel movie maybe ever. I loved it so much. I must say I agree this. with you, actually. Yeah, it was so unique and different. When the movie started, I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Because, yeah, yeah it's uh, it, we've never seen anything like it in a Marvel movie. I agree with you 100%. It is really good. And it's. I was like, I was almost like getting emotional watching. Like once they get to the like the front credits, I was like, whoa, like this is going to be incredible. I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine this being bad in any way. And then they, as it goes on, they just keep adding more and more action scenes. And then the kind of like blurring out the story elements with those action scenes. And it just felt yeah. like they kind of missed the point. Even, I don't know, it's like even at the end, there's scenes at, at the end where they're kind of going, not going through the motions, but there's, they, they linger on shots of things. And there's some things that actually don't make sense. And I don't want to spoil it. So I don't want to go into full mm-hmm. detail, but there's some weird stuff. Even actually the villain kind of under underdeveloped. Like we could have seen him like, yeah. longer for a longer screen time throughout the movie. And I feel like they failed to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just find that they, they did not go through the detail that they could have with this villain to make him feel more compelling. They also, there's a, there's a strong uh, 
element of Black Widow knows, like uh, Natasha Romanoff knows this villain from her past. Mm-hmm. And they, they have this through line of these flashbacks. And the flashbacks are some of the best thing in the movie. But I feel like they even fall short with that. And that Budapest, as you might know, um, is something that they mention with it, between Nat- Natasha Romanoff and uh, Clint Barton multiple times. I feel like they left some flashbacks out that I would have loved to be able to see because Clint Barton and Natasha Romanoff have this relationship and they talk about their time in Budapest specifically. In other points within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I mean, mm-hmm. it would have been nice to really go back and go deeper into that history. They do go into it, and I just don't want to go into any specifics at all, but I feel like they did not go deep enough, and this is my issue. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like there's some missed opportunities with those flashbacks as well, and being able to fold in um, you know, additional characters and add little cameos, but they, they didn't do that, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah, so that's, that's what I feel like. I actually kind of like the music. I like, again, you said it with uh, Florence Pugh and... David Arbor, like they're great and they're really funny. There's like really funny moments mm-hmm. that are extru- that are memorable in that regard. But again, I shouldn't feel like when we go to a fight sequence, I'm like, oh, another fight sequence. Like I, I just shouldn't feel like that. I'm just sorry. It's just not like it's okay to not be focused on your fight sequences, but then just put less of them in. Like I don't need them. The most interesting and most compelling part of this film was not the fight sequences. It was the family dynamic. I agree. It was the the relationship between the characters. Yeah, I feel like those those moments are almost drowned out by being like sandwiched between all like just so much action. And I usually love action in movies like that, but sometimes you know it's okay to slow it down and and take your time. I always think of uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Um, like I really love that movie, and my favorite part of that movie is in between it when they're, you know, at um, Hawkeye's like house and it's just very like slow. They're just talking. All these characters are interacting with one another. And it's just like, you know, like this is leading up to a big action set piece, but it, we got a breather and we can watch these characters interact with one another for an extended period of time. Um, so, yeah. Right. Like yeah. speaking of again, Age of Ultron, when you talk about fight scenes, there's that scene where they do a, a freeze frame. Like Joss Whedon chooses to do a freeze frame in the very beginning fight. It just feels very mm-hmm. memorable. Like you're you're doing something very unique with each of these characters, even though you have a lot of them. And we, I feel like we don't have as many, we don't have as much variety in this film in terms of the way people fight. But you could create more variety, make something. I, I sorry, real quick on the topic of yeah, like there not being much variety. It's kind of odd because Taskmaster's main thing is him being able to mimic anyone's movements. And, you know, there's little like scenes where it's like, oh, pull, pulls out the Black Panther claws or, oh, has like Captain America's shield and, oh, like shoots an arrow like Hawkeye. But it's so few and far between and they don't really do much with it. I think most of the movie, he just fights like Captain America, like the vast majority of the movie. And there's like one scene where he does the Black Panther claws, but we don't even see him fight. Um, yeah, we don't do see we him see use them. them at all. Yeah, he just like pulls them out, and then it kind of cuts to that, like the next scene, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, or again, they there's the one scene where he shoots the bow, like uh, sorry, shoots the arrow, uh, like from the bow, and you know, it's like pretty cool scene, but again, it's like one time. You know, kind of yeah. like this character can literally do whatever. Like they can fight in so many different styles, but it just seems like it's Captain America which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. The, the issue I think overall is, is 
again, the beginning was incredible. It went up to a certain point and then it eventually just got a little bit, it felt a little bit sloppy. Like they almost ran out of time. It didn't feel tight. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of even story elements that didn't feel that tight. And there was like a, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's just the the tightness of even even the plot because of the action in some capacity, it felt a little weird. Even some of the fight scenes were really short and again, just not memorable. It's weird. Like don't put it, why put it in at all kind of situation. Again, the tightness was what I I think the my biggest thing was like the tightness of having the villain displayed more often, having more impactful, actually the, the flashbacks they had were very impactful, but having more of them, more of these impactful type um, flashbacks, that would have been important. Um, having the action really not just be action, but have the action really push into the plot. That's really what you want. You don't want just action for the sake of action. That's useless. So yeah, mm-hmm. again, I like this movie just to be clear, like I, I'm really being negative about it. I, I like it actually. I, I actually like the music. I like the acting in it. I, I love the beginning. Again, I cannot stress enough how good it is. It's crazy, mm-hmm. but it just, it fell short for me. And it's just not in my top 10 Marvel movies for sure. Just cause it, I feel like it felt like they had so much potential because of the beginning. I was like, Whoa, like Kay mm-hmm. Shortland the director has something here. This is going to be like one of my favorite Marvel movies ever. And I think Black Widow is an incredible character. And that's uh, like the whole idea of Red Room that's been talked about in the other movies. Like with, like for instance, Age of Ultron, they show that flashback scene where she is in that mirrored type room. There's that ballet shot. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of flashback is just so amazing. And I don't, I don't know. Again, they did, they tapped into that to some extent, but then they kind of, just fell short. They're like, well, we don't really want to tell that story. Like, well, you are already. So just go a little deeper, like give us even more background on what really pushes Natasha Romanoff forward. You did give background, but could you give more based on the other characters you've introduced? Just give us a little bit more and then I can feel a little bit more emotionally attached to some of the villains and some of the other players in this game. But yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. again, it's it's good. I, I think I mentioned this already, but the music with like the Russian chanting, is really good. Maybe I didn't mention that. I got it in my notes here. Um, but that ro- Russian chanting type music is pretty good. I, otherwise, the music is not necessarily incredibly memorable, but it is pretty cool that the Russian chanting overtones, especially during some of the the fight scenes. But anyway, yeah, I wish it was tighter. I wish it was tighter overall. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay. All right. Cool, man. Well, that's. Uh, I believe that's all we've watched this week. And um, yeah, look for our Loki season one a closer look episode, which should launch in the next few days. I'm going to commit to Friday if it comes on Wednesday. I mean, cool. if you're looking forward to it, then you you get an episode on, on Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> for the, just for the fans in New Zealand, you know, the abundance of fans in New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, we're the number two podcast in New Zealand, which is pretty cool. I know, it's incredible. Thank you to the fans in New Zealand and uh, thank you to our other fan, Kenneth Stadelbauer. And oh yeah, I forgot to apologize to Kenneth Stadelbauer for talking about video games earlier. You want to move on to the news? You thinking to move on to the news there, buddy? Mm, nah, nah. Well, that's too bad. Oh. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Okay, this one's a fairly large one, so bear with me. But it's also about Black Widow. Number one, as publication deadline reports, in a surprise move, Disney proudly reported both their theatrical box office and Disney Plus premiere access earnings for their Marvel Cinematic Universe's Black Widow movies opening weekend. Usually... The announcement of theatrical box office statistics are pretty common within the industry after an opening weekend. What has certainly not been very common is the reporting of the streaming dollars made post-opening weekend. 
To give a quick recap, in March of 2021, Disney made the controversial decision to release Black Widow on Disney Plus with a premier access pay-per-view charge at the same time as in theaters. But without further ado, the earnings for the opening weekend were as follows. Domestically, Black Widow made $80 million. Internationally, it made $78 million in ticket sales. And on Disney Plus, with the $30 rental surcharge, it made at least an additional $60 million. Altogether, Disney reported at least a $215 million opening weekend. Considering only the box office results, Black Widow's numbers represent the best domestic theatrical movie premiere since the release of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker in December of 2019. But as Deadline points out, premiere access undoubtedly has had a negative influence on box office ticket sales. By comparing the Friday to Saturday box office revenue drop deltas between Black Widow and other films released during the COVID-19 pandemic, there is a clear contrast. Ticket sales between Friday and Saturday for movies like Fast 9 and A Quiet Place Part 2 declined 25% and 22% respectively, whereas Black Widow's Friday to Saturday drop was a stark 41%. It's important Oof. to note that neither Universal's Fast 9 or Paramount's A Quiet Place Part 2 released on a streaming service simultaneously alongside its theatrical premiere. Deadline calls our attention to the hypothesis that the Marvel diehard fans have chosen to come out to watch Black Widow in theaters on its opening night and Thursday night preview. But when given the choice, the more casual moviegoers have opted out of the theatrical experience to purchase the Disney Plus rental instead. It's key to remember that while Disney takes roughly 60% of the $158 million total as revenue from theaters, which is approximately $94 million in this case, they comparatively take the full $60 million in juicy revenue from their direct-to-consumer streaming customers. Hmm. Adrian, what do you think of this? We just talked about what we think of Black Widow, but this is the, the numbers. This is for the opening weekend, so this isn't, I guess, last weekend, meaning if you were listening to this on a Monday, then it would be two days ago, but um, this is uh, a, a week ago. Um, what do you think of this overall? We, we talked about Premier Access a lot on our show. We don't like Premier Access because I literally said, that this would happen. And I mean, mm -hmm. this isn't necessarily a telling sign. We don't know what Disney's going to do with Premier Access in the future, but what do you make of these numbers and what do they represent in your eyes? I think this isn't a good thing. Um, I think this kind of just goes to show that Disney can make a lot of money by just releasing it on their uh, streaming service. They still made a bunch of money in theaters, but on top of that, they made almost the same amount. Uh, maybe not the same. They made 66% of the amount of money in the same time frame from their streaming service. And I feel like it's only going to be a matter of time if they continue to do this, that the streaming service dollars could possibly overtake the theater, uh, theater do dollars. And if that happens, it's going to be a big shift. Um, and it's a little bit worrisome. Again, I love the theater experience. We've talked about it plenty of times and I don't want to see theaters go away. And that, Again, that's that that was our worry about, you know, premier access and what it could do to the theater industry. And this again is a telling sign for that. Considering both Fast Nine and A Quiet Place Part Two only had a again 25 and 22 uh, percent drop uh, respectively, compared to Black Widow's 45, was it 41. 41? Sorry. That's that's huge. That's a big difference. And again, the only reason for that is because Black Widow was released for premier access and it's just uh 
I'm not down for this, man. It's very disappointing. And I feel like I know they said that uh, for Shang-Chi that it won't be coming out on Premiere Access, but who's to say that the Eternals isn't going to now because of this? It's uh, it's worrisome, and uh, I'm not a fan of this whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't bode well. Again, I, I'm just I'm voting with my wallet in that it's a thirty five dollar charge in Canada as well. Like it's just outrageous in terms of the price. But I mean, I mean, I wonder if they they lowered it. I mean, they could make it more enticing and then kill theaters. I just remember that that moment last year where Mulan went to Premier Access and theater chains were like you know, destroying their marketing material for Mulan because they're so upset that Disney would choose this. At the time, there wasn't really much of a choice. COVID was kind of like rampaging through the US. So it kind of made more sense. Um, and now it kind of makes less sense. I mean, they waited for Black Widow this whole time. So what, again, it was a controversial decision in March. Like why do that? Just just let it go to theaters. We, we got to open up, which is awesome too. We're a smaller market, but uh, I think a lot of the US is opening Although some of it's actually, some of the U.S. is going back to mask wearing again. I don't know if you saw that, like mandatory mask wearing, despite whether you're vaccinated or not because of the Delta variant. And they're not, they're they're hitting a threshold of vaccinations that like, I think it's just over 60 or something like we're doing better somehow. We were doing worse for vaccination numbers and we're somehow above them, which is great for us because I think we might not have to close down if we can keep this pace which is fantastic mm-hmm. in terms of getting our most of our population vaccinated and getting like 80% uh, as soon as possible. But yeah, I'm curious because they could just like, if it gets worse in the US again, because you know people don't want to get vaccinated, then maybe it shuts down again. And then Shang-Chi is going to go to Premier Access at that point. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to make that decision. It's even possible that it's it's possible that even if it doesn't get worse, they're still going to make that decision. I know because of these numbers. Okay, so this is mm-hmm. the thing for me. This is the biggest thing that that I kind of glanced over at the beginning of this write up. Disney proudly reported these numbers right out of off the hop. Like this was Saturday numbers. That's why I also wrote uh, sixty million plus because it's actually maybe more. They made more from Premier Access than than this because the deadline article, as much as it was updated, they couldn't update with. Disney's internal numbers. They don't know how much Disney actually made because it was post-Saturday. Although it seems like when you're actually, when a lot of these production companies, when a lot of these theaters are actually reporting numbers, they actually kind of report weekend numbers post-Saturday anyway. It's just interesting uh, in terms of sales. And then they kind of throw in Sunday in there in like an updated article. Um, but yeah, they, we don't have the Sunday numbers. So theoretically, there's even more than $60 million sold on Disney+. Plus. But they proudly reported this. They proudly said, hey, this is the, the case. Like, look how good this is. Then they combined the numbers together and said, this is one of the strongest openings ever for yeah. Dis- a Disney movie. It's like, w- really? Oh, okay. Well, like, God not, damn it. I don't want that. That's not really fair. I mean, Netflix, Netflix might have the strongest movie you know, opening ever in general on their streaming service, but they don't report their numbers at all. So it's like, it's kind of weird inflation, an inflated number for their shareholders, I guess. It, it, they're, again, they're a publicly traded company, so I get it, but it's, it, it, just, it, it seems a little shady. Like nobody records that. If, if you were going to go head to head against Avatar, like let's say this is the next Avengers and you're doing Premier Access, you lost. Avatar beat you. And you might not have to lose because a Marvel movie does draw butts and seats. So it's actually 
anyway, it's, it's interesting. Again, it's a different time. We've got COVID. So I get it. Like if people are feeling it's a safety thing potentially for some people. And I, I understand that that's what, that's why they would stay home, stay home. But I just, again, some of these small theater businesses that are not going to be in good shape if Disney continues this, because they're the biggest company. They have the most mm-hmm. pull. So $35 for premier access, in my opinion, is awful. And I hope, I hope they do something. I hope they make a shift like they're claiming to, to again, support theaters again, because Disney can make or break theater businesses, as we've said countless times on this particular mm-hmm. podcast. Spin focus. So. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty then. Yep. Number two. According to Deadline, The Last of Us voice actor Jeffrey Pierce has been cast as the Rebel Perry in HBO's upcoming The Last of Us TV series. In developer Donnie Dog's original PlayStation game, Jeffrey Pierce voiced Joel's brother Tommy. For the new live-action series, HBO decided to take Tommy in a slightly different direction by casting Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actor, Gabrielle Luna, in the pivotal role instead. Alongside the announcement of Pierce's hiring, it was also announced that the White Lotus actor, Marie Bartlett, had been cast as Frank, while Chernobyl actor Con O'Neill was cast as Bill. Bill and Frank both play a part in Naughty Dog's The Last of Us game. The HBO series is being developed by both Naughty Dog's Neil Druckmann and Chernobyl showrunner Craig Mazin, while starring the Mandalorian actor Pedro Pascal as lead character Joel and Game of Thrones actor Bella Ramsey as lead character Ellie. The first season of 10 episodes is currently in production and is planned for release in 2022. Adrian. Thoughts on this? Simon, I have a lot of good thoughts on this. This is kind of exactly what I was hoping for. I'm not I'm not referring to the casting, but I remember we talked about the Last of Us series and how they could kind of expand on existing stories in the universe within the TV show. And it seems like that's what they are going to be doing with, with Bill and um, Frank. So Bill plays a, a pretty big character in the first game. Um, partway through the story, you meet him, and he references about his... Um, like ex-lover Frank, simply put. But we never actually see Frank in the in the in in the game. Like we don't see him, you know, play any part. So it it's really neat that I feel like this show is going to expand on that storyline. And now we are going to see Frank. We are going to see him and Bill interact with one another. Um I think also the hiring of Jeffrey Pierce is is pretty neat. It's cool that he's now connected in both the game and the TV show, but playing totally separate characters. Perry being, I guess, an original character for the series. Um but yeah, I don't know. I love Jeffrey Pierce as Tommy. So it's gonna be odd kind of um hearing that voice for a different character. Um, But again, I think these are all, uh, this is very exciting. I think what, I think they're going to do a great job with this HBO show. I'm, I'm confident. Uh, The more I hear about it, the more I read about it, the more excited I get about this. I love the last of us. I think the last of us is one of the greatest storytelling experiences that I've played through Uh, both the first and second one. I, I absolutely adore. And I want them to, not necessarily just carbon copy the story from the video game. I want them to expand on it. I want them to add more storylines and, and and develop these characters that we, you know, see even further. Um, And I think that's what they're going to do with this. I'm, I'm, I'm confident now that not that it's going to be good, but that they are doing what I want them to do. If that makes sense. Yes. Yes. I'm confident. I'm confident. I'm not. I'm not confident ever. Actually, until I see it, because especially video game movies, as we talked about, video game movies and TV shows are have a really. Uh, 
uh, rough history. They just don't always end up being great. Actually, it's like 90% of them are bad. So I'm a little bit uh, skeptical, but we got Craig Mazin involved in this. And everything I've seen that Craig Mazin has ever done has been great. So Mm -hmm. I just don't, I don't have anything negative to say about this. This is really neat. Like the casting so far is really great. Like Pedro Pascal is amazing. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen honestly enough of Bella Ramsey to see whether she'll do justice to that character of Ellie. Honestly, that's the one one piece that I'm kind of a little bit more questioning on just because I haven't seen her enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like she's awesome in game of Thrones, but that's literally the only thing I've ever seen her in. Right. Exactly what I'm saying. So yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. We'll see what happens with that. And then we talked about this a couple weeks back, a few weeks back, but uh, Marlene was cast like Merle Dendridge plays the same character in the game, like as a voiceover, like voice acting. Mm-hmm. And she then plays this character live action, the exact same character. So it's interesting that they keep pulling these actors from the game side and then putting them into the movie side, not necessarily as a one-to-one match. Like they, it's, it's cool. It's really neat. Like you wouldn't think that they would necessarily do that. I guess, I don't know. I'm curious if like, for instance, on, um, on Pierce's end, like Jeffrey Pierce, was he just, Hey, I love this series so much. Like, let me be a part of this in any way that I can. Or were they like, you did great in the game and we want to honor you. Or was it, maybe it was a little bit of both, honestly, but mm-hmm. it's kind of a cool idea. Cause I haven't seen Jeffrey Pierce in that much in terms of, um, live action stuff. So it's kind of like, a, he's been in a lot of things, but it's like, mm-hmm. not as, I feel like not, not anything is like a necessarily forefront type character. He's you know, not a big, big name actor type type situation yeah. so cool this is a really cool situation i'm excited yeah it is and i'm curious if they're gonna fold in more of the main cast like are they gonna bring ashley johnson in and she'll play like a totally separate character obviously she can't play ellie because she's you know i think like late 20s maybe early 30s uh, at this point um but like is, is she gonna be folded into the universe are we gonna see nolan north appear because nolan north has been in like quite a few live action stuff. Ashley Johnson also being in some um, like live action TV shows. I think blind spot. She plays like a pretty main character in that show. Uh, I think that just recently dropped on Netflix, like the entire series. So uh, I heard it's pretty good. And again, like, are there, are we going to have Troy Baker show up? You know, I feel like since they're bringing people in from that universe, um, like the voice actors from that universe into the show, like I feel like there's, there's a lot more options that we can see and, and I would love for them to like kind of honor these actors and have them play separate characters in in, in the TV series. Um, Troy Baker, I don't believe does any live action stuff. To be fair, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything. But again, Nolan North, he plays the janitor in Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. An amazing role, an amazing actor. Incredible. He was that was worthy of an Emmy for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be let's be clear. Um, but speaking of that, actually. I should give these guys a little bit more credit. Credit. I say kind of voiceover, voice actor. They they are mo-capped like mm-hmm. for a lot of these roles. So like Nolan, uh, not Nolan North, but sorry, but Troy Baker. Like for instance, in Death Stranding, looks exactly like Troy Baker. Troy Baker. Yeah. It, it, a lot of it's like their emotions are displayed like just digitally in a CG manner on screen. So I, it's interesting. Yeah, I was looking through Troy Baker's IMDb page, and he's not been in a lot. But I I wonder like why. Maybe he just prefers it. There's a there's a fun element of being in a video game in general, but I it's kind of curious. In fact, I don't know. You you think about it for a second, and you realize like you got TV series, you're with a character for a long time. You got movies, you're not with a character for, for that long necessarily. 
video games are in, in with a character for a long time. If you think of like playing God of War with Christopher Judge, like you're with that guy mm-hmm. for a t- like a crazy amount of time. Red Dead Redemption 2, hundreds of hours. You never spend that much time with even TV series often. So it's, it's kind of neat actually that you're, you're, maybe that's what Troy Baker's you know preferences i don't know that much about troy baker maybe that's something for him or not but it's cool it's it's weird that he hasn't been in that many movies or tv shows though yeah would be a good start to be an hbo show i'd say but yeah 100 percent. yeah i can't wait for this i i'm 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 excited i'm very excited um and yeah i guess we just gotta wait and see indeed we gotta wait and see indeed number three as publication bloomberg reports bloomberg Bloomberg. 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 As publication Bloomberg reports, video streaming giant Netflix is planning to offer more than just TV series and movies on their platform with a push to offer video game content as well. The news comes after the hiring of former electronic arts executive Mike Verdu and the online job postings for many game development positions. The Netflix CEOs, Ted Sarandos and Reed Hastings, have reportedly alluded to a potential push into the gaming industry on their investors' calls when they referred to the Battle Royale game Fortnite as an activity that potentially vies for a Netflix customer's time. The new video game category on Netflix is being said to sit on the regular Netflix app alongside their TV and film original content offerings. It has also been rumored that the monthly subscription price will not increase due to the diversification of Netflix's content offering. But time will tell whether that will be the case in the long term. First of all, before I ask you, Adrian, what you think of this, I apologize to Kenneth Saddlebauer uh, for talking about video games. And now, Adrian, Netflix, you're a big Netflix fan. You're a big video game fan. Does this do anything for you? So, Simon, I don't know. It, not necessarily. It's weird. I don't know. I find this very interesting because Netflix has had video games on their service. Like as an example, they partnered with telltale games back in the day and, and you can play like telltale's Minecraft. I don't know if it's still there, but you could play telltale's Minecraft story mode on Netflix. I don't know if you recall that, but yeah, like I don't. Yeah. And it was, again, they they didn't have as much movement. It was literally just selecting the options, but that would, that they have already done this. They've already pushed into this they they were making that stranger things uh telltale game as well before telltale kind of closed down Telltale has since reopened but again new leadership new everything all those deals are thrown away but they were working on a telltale stranger things game which was going to premiere on netflix as well so they're no they've they've shown an interest in this before but now it seems like they're going all in and uh i don't know how i really feel about that like i i think it's a cool idea, but I don't imagine myself playing games on Netflix, you know, using a TV remote because I imagine they, they want it to be accessible to everyone. It, they, they want it to just be able to, you know, you launch Netflix on your TV and you play. Um, so are they going to make these like games where it's just, you know, adventure games and stuff? Like, how are you supposed to play a battle Royale game using a TV remote? You're definitely going to need to, you know, get a actual controller, are they going to come out with their own controller? Like, what is the plan here? Is it going to be streaming games only? Are they going to let you download the games? It's interesting. I don't know exactly what this is going to do and if it's going to work. Even big giants like Google, you know, have come out with their own like gaming platform through like Google Stadia. 
which to be blunt flopped. They closed down all their original uh, like studios making games for that stuff. And if Google can't even get, you know, Whoa, didn't flop. I mean, it's, it's floundering. Let's say it's a floundering. It, okay. it flopped yeah. enough to literally close every uh, like original Google studio. They're only doing third party stuff. So I, for the record, honestly, Google doesn't stick with things. Honestly, that's to me their rep- reputation. Mm. I don't know what their deal is, but they don't stay with things very often. Like they've stayed with like uh, Google Assistant. Uh, obviously, the Google search engine started it all. But like honestly, like the number of projects that they started up and that just kind of like as you said flopped. Like what the heck? Just like Stadia could have been big. Mm-hmm. Just just keep developing the 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 content. Sure, maybe original programming was not something you should do necessarily right away, and you can kind of build into it. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of Google's thing. But, but game streaming is kind of being becoming a thing anyway with like Amazon. Yeah, Amazon's Luna, um, yeah, Amazon's Luna service, and then Microsoft obviously with their like Xbox game streaming or whatever it's called now. Um, used to be called the X Cloud, which I think is a lot cooler, and it works, but not amazingly. Um, and again, like. Are, are is is Netflix going to develop these like competitive games that again you just stream to your TV wirelessly? You know, I don't I don't imagine too many people have their TVs hardwired into an internet connection. I would say the vast majority of people probably just use Wi-Fi. And for game streaming like that, it's not ideal. You want a direct connection so it can load quick and do all that stuff. You don't you want as little to get in the way of the streaming as possible to make a good experience. I played games on my phone. Um, like using the Xbox streaming, um, they just released it on iPhone and it works, but it doesn't work amazing. Like I, I wouldn't play Halo on my iPhone sort of deal because it would just, it, it'll, there's enough latency there to notice that it's not perfect. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like this is a cool idea, but I don't know if this is really going to do anything for me and if it's going to do uh, anything for most people. Uh, that being said, like Fortnite, Fortnite is a first-person shooter. You need the input lag to be like third-person, whatever third-person. It's a shooter in general. I just find you need the input lag to be low. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I played Fortnite. I don't know why I said first-person. It's a shooter in general, but like it, it, you need the input lag to be low, and you don't get that with you just don't get input lag. Input lag, by the way, you, listeners, is if you don't play video games, is when your controller is actually you know when you hit a button, it's going through immediately. Very little millisecond response difference between you clicking a button and the character on the screen mm-hmm. acting. And so that part is important for games like that or Call of Duty or whatever. Like I'm curious like what their plan is. Because Fortnite's on almost every platform and they're unabashedly so. Like they could enter Netflix's space. Maybe it'll be on Netflix. You know, it's on iOS. It's on Android. Well, it's not on iOS actually. Fortnite is not on iOS anymore. Uh, but on Android or um, PlayStation, Xbox, PC. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like, you're right. Like, if you do game streaming, is that the is that is that going to work out? Although, to be honest, game streaming is only going to get better as, uh, you know, yeah, internet definitely. connections get better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. They could do this well enough, but I, I just think about, okay, so Luna is not Amazon Prime Video. Um, no, it's a separate know. service entirely. Apple TV Plus is obviously a streaming service that Apple offers, but they also offer Arcade Plus, which isn't really a streaming service, but it offers thousands of games uh, without ads on their service, mm-hmm. on their like as an Apple subscription that is separate. 
Okay. Well, Netflix is supposed to, according to this article anyway from Bloomberg, the idea is that you're going to have a game that they create or that they license out from a third party on the streaming service of Netflix, just next to like Stranger Things or next to Ozark. It's just, I don't know that that's true that you're not going to necessarily change the price. Like, I mean, you might not change the price in the beginning, but it would start getting more expensive. And I must say that I also think that you and I are not the audience for this at all. Mm-mm. Like we are not going to play on this. We have a PlayStation 5, each of us, and we're just not going to be the audience for this. People who don't play video games at all on the opposite spectrum of what we are, we're, we're gamers that play fairly often. They also won't be the audience for this. So to create games in Netflix's content offering and put it on the same streaming service and stream same streaming app, I think we'll have to change. Mm-hmm. It, like it, it will initially maybe be like that, but will it be like that long-term? And I think no. I think that you can't do that realistically and actually be a competitor. Agreed. And and that kind of actually segues into my next point of, you know, us owning a PlayStation 5. Are we going to be able to play these Netflix games on our PS5? Or is Sony going to be like, hell no. Like no way in hell you can like put your own independent games for free, like on your Netflix subscription platform. Is Sony going to allow that? Or is Microsoft going to allow that? That's another like uh, point that kind of sticks out. However, to counter that point, there are also rumors that Netflix and uh, PlayStation might actually be partnering in this gaming front. Um, I, yeah, I did hear yeah, that. Like IGN released an article, I think yesterday or the day prior about that. And it's an interesting like thought process. Like maybe, maybe this is how, PlayStation goes into the like goes into like this new subscription model and they partner with a juggernaut like Netflix to bring, you know, PlayStation first party IP to Netflix. You know, it might Oh no. It might be an interesting sort of thing. There's rumors uh that Ghost of Tsushima might even be going on to like a Netflix streaming service or something. I do, again, this is uh this is all um from rumors nothing has been confirmed. It's, it was through like some sort of data mine leak. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like there's so many different things that could go that could happen with this. And I'm, I'm curious, I'm, I'm more curious than anything, but again, uh, yeah, I just don't necessarily know if this is the market, um, or if we're the target market for this, or are they trying to market it towards, you know, gamers like us, like people that, you know, play games quite often. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, it seems like that's, I mean, if you're playing uh, Fortnite quite often, and they think that Fortnite's vying for a client's time. I don't know. It seems like they are mm-hmm. potentially aiming for us. I just don't think that you can hit the mark on that. Yeah. I don't. I don't think so. At least right now, now where streaming's at, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting one. Um, the Ghost of Tsushima thing. Ghost of Tsushima. There's a movie being made for Ghost of Tsushima, mm-hmm. but we don't really know where that's going to be. Maybe it's going to be on Netflix. Yeah, that, that would be the data mine. That's what I thought of instantly when I saw that article. I didn't think of gaming. Yeah, that's a good point but, because Netflix has partnered with Sony Pictures Entertainment to have all their movies. I think what was it? A few years, like three or four years that all their movies after their theatrical run will release on Netflix exclusively. Yeah. So, so I wonder if like the IGN guys just don't realize that yeah. they didn't see whoever wrote this. I don't know what they were insinuating from that data mine leak, but I feel like, yeah. you know. I think it's more likely that it's because literally even years down the line, they're going to put Ghost of Tsushima on. Like after it even enters like a theatrical, like a theatrical space. Mm-hmm. It's um, 
Chad Stahelski is directing that, I'm pretty sure. Like we think we announced that yeah, we did. Uh, many moons ago. Yeah. Anyway, so that that's probably more likely in that case. I think that well, this guy's from EA, like Mike Verdu, like the guy they hired as the executive to, you know, lead this gaming push. And he used to work for Facebook as well for like the Oculus. So and his EA credits, like he seems to be very much into the mobile gaming space, to, to be honest. If you look at his his history, and that's kind of, I don't know if that's necessarily telling, but I feel like if we're going to look at it, I feel like it's more casual in the way that they're going to get into this slowly. So I don't know. It, it may not be that, again, they may be trying to push for us eventually, like in terms of our audience and people who play video games like more heavily, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It's interesting for sure. Super interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's move on to number four, Adrian. I actually threw in a number four. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. It's a bonus. Is, is this the end of year two already? <laughs> no, I think we won't know. We did five, five and six at, at certain times yeah. in the beginning of when we started this podcast. But when I find that the week is pretty heavy in terms of content, in terms of stories, and there's lots we can talk about, I'll throw in an extra story. We just got to be, you know succinct brisk yeah brisk good one all right number four as website variety reports the 73rd annual emmy nominees have been announced for the emmy award ceremony set to take place on september 19th on cbs and on paramount plus with cedric the entertainer hosting the awards show hbo leads this year for the most nominations with 130 while netflix lands in a close second place with 129 nominations Netflix is The Crown and Disney Plus is The Mandalorian are tied for the most nominations for a single property with 24 nominations apiece, while also each being nominated for Best Drama TV Series. As website Deadline points out, the Apple TV Plus comedy Ted Lasso broke the record for most Emmy nominations by a comedy series in its freshman year. With an overall total of 20 Emmy nominations, Ted Lasso just snuck by the record of 19 nominations previously set by the 2010 debut season for Fox musical comedy Glee. Adrian, the Emmys seem to be a story, you know, too good to pass up on that we should talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will likely talk about uh, the Emmys again when we do a short predictions news segment on our episode when it's getting closer to September 19th. And then we'll probably talk about the the winners Mm -hmm. on September, whatever, whatever the date is that, is a Monday post the yeah. Emmys. But what do you think about the the news about some of these nominations? What are you thinking about the the record-breaking Ted Lasso? I don't know if you took a look at the Emmy nominations. But. Yeah, yeah, I, I did uh, do like a brief run-through with that. And I don't know, I'm very excited that like Ted Lasso is crushing it. Like I, I again, we've talked about that show very highly. You, uh, you got me to watch it and I'm so very glad I did because it's top-tier television and it's heartfelt, it's funny, it's... There's there's so much going for it and I I want more people to watch this show and understand that Apple TV Plus is a great streaming service with very high quality content. Um so yeah, like that that's that's a big win. Uh the second season starting in only a, a like what a week or two? Like it's it's coming up soon. So I'm very excited for that as well. Uh and then again, like there's there's a cool nods. I'm glad Cobra Kai got a nice little uh Emmy nom or two and all of that stuff. The one thing that kind of stuck out for me is I don't know if I don't know if you've heard of the show. I'm, I'm sure you have because you heard of the Emmy nominations. I heard of Mayor of Easttown like a week ago, and it got a bunch of Emmy nominations oh. as well. And I'm like, I need to watch this goddamn show. Apparently, it's phenomenal. 
Yeah, I, I did hear it was really good too, but yeah, I just haven't haven't gotten around to it. Apparently, it's pretty bleak. It's got um, yeah, it stars Kate Winslet, which is uh, pretty cool for a TV series because mm-hmm. Kate Winslet is fantastic. So there's that. Uh, yeah, apparently it's pretty. It's it's a isn't it like a cop drama though? I think so. That's the idea, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a well, not a cop drama, but like a crime crime drama. But anything on HBO, I think we can say they have a pretty damn good track record. So yeah, more often than not, probably the shows are good. So it's probably going to be good in that regard. Um, yeah, Ted Lasso season two actually comes out. The first episode comes out because they do it episode by episode, unfortunately, on July twenty third. Ooh. I was, I was kind of thinking I might wait actually because I, I did enjoy watching it all at once. So me too. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. I, I might just watch it slowly as I go. But yeah, you're right though about Apple TV. It's kind of an interesting streaming service because I feel like everything they make is of high quality. Some of the percentages though on Rotten Tomatoes are kind of poor, but even for Morning Show they were poor, and I found that show to be really good. So I'm kind of confused. I don't know if this just people are kind of critical of Apple or I'm not. I don't know. It's a weird one. I kind of. And I know you're kind of not necessarily for this, but I kind of want to watch C because it's Dave Bautista's in it as well. It's Dave Bautista and Jason Momoa. Mm. I don't know. Like uh, Dave Bautista's in the second season, so I I, I don't know. I, I it doesn't look as bad as you make it sound it to be. And I've heard a lot of good things. Like uh, we have a mutual friend named Martin who watches C and he really likes it. Hmm. So I don't know. I might check it out. But. Yeah, I mean, if you start watching it, let me know or let someone I know know for them to tell me because we don't talk outside this podcast and then maybe I'll, I'll watch it at the same time and go back because I, I shouldn't judge it just based on the trailer. Just to me, it didn't seem like an interesting premise all that much. I, I just didn't care oh, for what premise I saw. was everything. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, the next Apple TV Plus show and actually the next show I'm probably going to watch just so you're aware is Mosquito Coast actually. Like I, I'm almost guaranteed watching it. I just don't know when, whether I'll be able to talk about it next week or not. But um, yeah, when's that coming out? Is that this week? Mosquito Coast? Yeah, is it already out? The entire season has been released. Oh, meaning okay. they've gone through episode by episode every week for Justin Theroux. You know. Yeah, Theroux. Theroux. I think he's he goes by Theroux. I think we should probably call him Theroux, maybe. But yeah. unless we're just gonna keep that joke going. But yeah, Justin Theroux. Anyways, um, no, yeah, it was cool. I was glad to see this. This is a pretty good list, like of uh, like the Emmy nominations are are kind of neat. Like the boys got nominated for season two for drama best drama series, which I find interesting. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Lovecraft Country got nominated despite the fact that literally only two weeks ago it got canceled for a second season. Yeah, which is bananas. Weird because yeah, bananas. And uh, yeah, The Mandalorian, like that's a crazy number of nominations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about last week about how we think that that's really Disney Plus's best t- series. And I feel like that's that's true. Loki's very good. Mm-hmm. But I think that The Mandalorian takes the cake for sure. I agree with that, my friend. Yep. It's cool. Yeah. It's also neat to see WandaVision get uh, Emmy nominations as well. I just... I wouldn't have expected that for whatever reason. Again, um, maybe just because of how soured I feel on that ending. But that that show re- really is fantastic. So it's it's cool to see Marvel getting a little bit extra love in uh, in the I guess the main not necessarily the mainstream space, but it, at these like award shows. I feel like it kind of it started with Black Panther for sure, and then now we're getting this with um, WandaVision. Uh, Black Panther at the Oscars, mind you. Although I feel like that was not deserved whatsoever. 
I felt like that was such a weird one, but who cares? Yeah, like WandaVision's super creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, WandaVision. WandaVision's nominated for like huge awards. Mm-hmm. Best limited series, best lead actress, and best lead actor, which to be honest, actually, their acting is pretty good in that because they're, they're thrown through the ringer. Yeah. Like they're in a variety of different sitcoms every week. <laughs> so it's... That's actually, no, they were pretty impressive in that, like uh, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen. So that's kind of neat. I just didn't, I don't know why I didn't notice that when I looked through these nominees. Yeah, man, even Catherine Hahn got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a pretty good nominees list. You can check this out on Variety, uh, listener, if you're interested to see who's nominated this year. And um, yeah. I think we're we're good here. Now on to the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as announced by Disney, the Disney Plus TV series Loki has officially been renewed for a second season. Oh yeah, baby, the first Marvel show to get a second season. I'm very excited about this one. Number two, as Variety reports, Dexter series regular Jennifer Carpenter is set to reprise her role as Deb Morgan in the Dexter series revival. I am very uh, curious about this Dexter revival. Again, I, I hated the ending. I think it's one of the worst last seasons and endings of a TV series I've ever seen in my goddamn life. So um, I'm curious what they're going to do with this. Number three, as Deadline reports, WandaVision director Matt Shackman has officially been hired on as the director for the now upcoming Star Trek sequel. Oh, okay. Is that bringing back like the Chris Pine cast and all those people? Or is this like a new? I think so. Okay. Number four. As referenced by Variety, the Mask of Zorro star, Antonio Banderas, has been cast in the upcoming James Mangold-directed Indiana Jones 5 film. I still gotta watch those those Indiana Jones movies. I still gotta do it. Number five. According to Deadline, Breaking Bad creator Vince Gilligan has signed a four-year contract extension with Sony Pictures Television. Right on, Vince Gilligan. Anything he makes is gold. Number six, as Variety reports, Iron Man star Robert Downey Jr. has just been cast in the upcoming HBO TV series adaptation of author Viet Tan Nguyen's satirical espionage thriller novel, The Sympathizer. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. going on the TV series. HBO just bringing all these big name actors into TV shows. It's it's neat. Uh, Apple TV Plus doing the same thing, to be fair. Number seven, as announced by Paramount Pictures via their Paramount Plus Twitter page, Production has begun on the star-studded TV series called The Offer, which is set to follow the production history for legendary film The Godfather. It's like Mank, but but it's for The Godfather instead of Citizen Kane. And it's a series instead of a movie. Number eight. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Network Stars' John Wick prequel TV series The Continental will now be a three 90-minute episode limited series with film-like movie budgets that will feature the Book of Eli director, Albert Hughes, as the lead director. This is super neat. I feel like this was uh, very close on uh, on on my list to like what I would want to talk about this week, but I guess it was a later in the week sort of topic. But this is so cool. I'm really glad that they're going this route as opposed to just like a long series. Do three big budget limited series episodes, make it like Sherlock, make it like Luther, and arguably again even like the fear street like movie trilogy it felt like a tv series uh albeit a little bit more anthology compared to what this is going to be about but hell yeah man i'm all into this i'm all in number nine according to variety amazon's nicholas cage starring amazon's nicholas cage starring tiger king tv series has been tabled indefinitely 
following a bit of a slow start to production and a loss of relevancy. I literally said that no one cares about Tiger King anymore at a, on a previous episode. So I'm not surprised that this is happening. Or this has happened, I guess. Ah, but they're still making that Kate McKinnon, Peacock, Tiger King TV series, so... Yeah. Number 10. As The Hollywood Reporter notes, screenwriter Zach Stentz has been hired on to write the first in a trilogy of films to adapt author Robert Jordan's best-selling fantasy novel series, Wheel of Time. But correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Wheel of Time being made into like an Amazon TV series as well? Are they doing both? It is. They are. What? Weird. Okay. That's really odd. Yeah, like why do both at the same time? Yeah, kind of confused about that. Hey man, not my money I guess. Just seems like a little bit silly. But okay. And that concludes the montage. Ah, Motors. Conclusion. All right, Adrian. All right. All right. What do you got for me? What do you got for me this week? I got new releases for you, my friend. And this is for the week of July 19th to July 25th. That's a Monday to a Sunday, baby. Ooh. The first movie that's coming out is coming out on Wednesday, July 21st. And it's called Troll Hunters Rise of the Titans. This is a Netflix original movie and it's the crossover event you've been waiting for guillermo del toro's three shows collide three below wizards and of course troll hunters i don't i don't recall any of these series they're like dreamworks animated series on netflix all created by guillermo del toro oh okay that's neat yeah cool man i don't know if it's the one i've been waiting for but you've been waiting for it maybe you have no i haven't All right, then. What's the next movie coming out? Uh, That's coming out on Thursday, July 22nd, and it's called Words Bubble Up Like Soda Pop. This is a Netflix original uh, anime movie about a shy boy and a self-conscious girl spending a short yet magical summer together. Now, the rest of the movies coming out this week are all coming out on Friday, July the 23rd. And the first movie of that day is A Second Chance Rivals! Exclamation point. This is a Netflix original movie, and it's about a young woman who is crestfallen when she doesn't qualify for the Olympics. However, many years later, she becomes a coach for young gymnasts going up against rivals. Oh, wow. Yeah, amazing. Amazing stuff. Blood Red Sky is the next movie, and this is this is a Netflix original movie. Uh, it's about terrorists that take over an overnight transatlantic flight, but things don't go well for them. Once a mysterious woman unleashes her dark secret upon them to protect her son. Wow. Yeah. Kind of want to watch that. It just seems like a interesting enough premise to make me kind of want to watch it. Who's in it? Uh, no notable actors that I could tell. I didn't really look too deep into it, but uh, I feel like when I say no notable actors, it seems like kind of mean, but uh, just no actors that I was familiar with personally. Right. Um, you know. That, that, that I know. Someone knows those actors, I'm sure. They probably have families. They probably have um, people that know them, you know? I'd imagine so. It would be odd if that was not the case. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't think this movie's in English, uh, though. I'm just looking real quick oh. at the, the cast right now. And maybe. Actually, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Perry Baumeister, Alexander Shear, K- Case Seti, Carl Koch, or Coach. Gordon Brown, Roland Mueller, Chidi Ajufo. So, I mean, oh, no, Dominic Purcell's also in it. So that's probably the biggest, the most notable actor. Dominic Purcell, probably best known for his role in Prison Break. 
as well as DC's Legends of Tomorrow TV series. Indeed. Mm-hmm. What is the next movie coming out, Adrian? The Last Letter from Your Love. It's a Netflix original movie about a reporter that tries to uncover a forbidden love from the 60s after she finds a bundle of love letters. Oh. Oh. Bankrolled is the next movie, and it's a Netflix original movie. It's about two baked college bros that pitch a new social justice app that raises big money, but they haven't even made it yet. Oh, incredible. Yeah. This next movie that's coming out is a movie called Jolt. This is confirmed by Movie Insider in the trailer, and this is an Amazon Prime video original movie. Now, Amazon's a little bit weird on their app because they don't show movies before they release. Like, they don't have a coming soon section. So I can't confirm if this is going to come out here in Canada or if it's just America marketing. I'm not too sure, but just want to clarify that. But anyways... Uh, this movie stars uh, Kate Beckinsale. Um, it's like an action movie where she just absolutely just messes a bunch of people up, but she's dying and has to like keep electrocuting herself to like stay alive or whatever. It kind of reminds me of um, those Jason Statham like crank movies, oh. which I don't think I really watched. I see. And I don't think those are all that great as far as I know. I actually remember one scene from the crank movies. Maybe I have seen a couple of them. Or, or all of them. I don't know. I don't know how many movies there are. But I remember specifically, there's like a scene where he's at like some racetrack or something. And he's just banging a girl in front of a crowd to keep his heart rate high enough so he doesn't die. I don't know. Really? What a dumb movie. Yeah. I did not see that those movies. Yeah. Clearly. That's all I remember from it. Obviously. I don't think I actually like watched it. It must have just been playing somewhere like at a friend's house or something in the background. Because I, I remember little things like that, but I don't know really the premise or whatever anyways the next movie that's coming out is a movie called the christmas dance this is confirmed by movie insider in the apple tv application it's a video on demand rental and it's about a woman that dealt with a traumatizing christmas oh no and 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 she she's shown the christmas spirit once again after being taught the christmas dance oh oh no yeah i agree (laughs) i agree (laughs) Oh, no, indeed. The next movie coming out is a movie called Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. This is coming out to theaters, confirmed by the Cineplex application. Um, Yeah, this is, I guess, a origin story to like the Snake Eyes villain from the G.I. Joe stuffs. I'm not familiar with G.I. Joe all that much, but I think Snake Eyes is a bad guy. Yeah, those movies are not not well regarded. I I think this is, I don't know if they're, oh, yeah, I forgot they're like... Yeah, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, I think, is in some of those G.I. Joe movies. I don't know if this is like a reboot or it's like a prequel to those movies or or whatnot, whatever's going on with that. But again, I'm I feel like uh, G.I. Joe was before my generation. Well, this is another one of those, if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure my brother would correct me on this, but this is another one of those c- series and things like that where it's built on action figures. Like it's just marketing for the action figures. But now it's like it's going backwards. Now you're mm. actually it's kind of similar to Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Netflix series in that like you're not really selling action figures for Masters of the Universe, but now you're creating a Netflix show out of it, basically. Yeah. I mean, they might they might be selling some, but I feel like that's not the priority now. Like that was from the 80s. So yeah. I think this is like they're they're I guess they're banking on the fans who were a fan of G.I. Joe back then to want to watch this, I guess, and then pull in other younger viewers to an action movie, I guess. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird a weird angle because, again, these movies aren't that well regarded. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know how much I care about this or if I'm going to watch it, but honestly, any excuse to go to the theaters, I'm, I'm down to go. However, the next movie that's coming out to theaters is a movie called Old. And this is uh, M. Night Shyamalan's new movie where people go to a beach where everything seems to age rapidly. This movie I do want to see. I'm going to try to watch this this week. In theaters? In theaters. Okay. You, you got to specify now because it's, uh, you never know anymore. It's a, it's a weird time, man. Whoa, 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 Simon, I do specify. I said that it's coming to theaters. I would say it's coming to theaters and VOD, like I do in previous episodes when it's coming to both. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't throw that out. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I, yeah, I should have trusted you a little more. Yeah, you should have. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. I don't, I don't necessarily forgive you, but it's okay. Okay. Cool, man. Super cool. Super cool. What else is coming out? That's it. That's all, baby. That's it. That's all. Oh, oh, wow. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. I'm gearing to go. Like, I'm, I'm gearing to go, rearing to go. I, I really want to see, like, Pig. I think I mentioned this at the top. But I, 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 mm-hmm. there's a bunch of these movies that are just not available in any of these theaters. And again, I just really want to see them. It'd be nice to see want... In the Heights, Pig. There's a bunch of other movies that I was thinking about. A couple others. Mortal Kombat. Even Mortal Kombat. Yeah, a lot of the Warner Brothers movies that were launched on HBO Max at the same time as they were in theaters in the United States, but nobody could really go to theaters at that point. Like, it would be nice mm-hmm. to get those movies again. I think Cineplex is sleeping a little bit on the contracts. It would be nice to get some of these licensing agreements for some of our local theaters. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I'm curious if uh, the reason we don't have those movies is because maybe like Cineplex is, you know, they just want to make as much money as they can. So yeah, like fill every theater with black widow sort of thing. You know, they know people are going to go watch that as opposed to, I know mortal Kombat. So maybe it's like a business decision on their front or the sparks brothers. Like I really want to see the sparks brothers, but even yeah. like, okay. So ignoring simplex, I know they're a huge business. They got to survive. But like, what about the princess twin princess twin is running the same movies for the entire month of July. Like they're not, they're both documentaries. It's like, really, you're not running in the Heights or, I don't know. Maybe they haven't seen the rest of the market, so they don't know what's competing. But they've got two documentaries. One, which is Roadrunner, that uh, Anthony Bourdain movie, which I actually do kind of want to see. It's like ninety over ninety percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and uh, that whole Anthony Bourdain story is like tragic and kind of interesting to me. So that that would be cool to watch, maybe. But again, the Sparks Brothers is a big one. I feel like people would be more likely to go to go. Buy tickets for something like that. It's, it's, it's interesting. Again, their lineup right now. Princess Twin, by the way, listener, it's a Waterloo theater, a small theater. It's like an independent theater that's that runs more independent films. Anyway. Okay, Adrian. All right. Anything you want to add? We're at the end of our regular scheduled programming for this episode, episode 55. What are you thinking? Anything you want to say before we go? I'm just glad theaters are open again, man. I'm happy about it. We can keep on going to the movies. We can stay up to date with <laughs> talk about recent releases uh, more often now. Uh, I expect to go to the movies at least once a week for the next uh, for the foreseeable future, if not a couple times a week. So I'm stoked, baby. I'm stoked. Theaters are back. Exclamation point. Title of the episode. I'm stoked. Theaters are back. All right. Exclamation point. You forgot the exclamation. Point. Ex- sorry. But I want it written out. What, what do you mean? I want exclamation point written out in the title. In the title? Yeah. That's a little ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. You're a little ridiculous, okay? You're a little ridiculous. All right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening 
to the 55th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. It is I, Adrian Pinter, and I'm about to sign off. You know what other movie I would like to see in theaters once again, Simon? Do you know? It's a good movie. It's called Batman v Superman, the ultimate edition. I'm down to, Let's add ultimate edition into this one now. Great movie. Fantastic movie. I love it. That's it. That's all. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. Theaters are back, baby! Exclamation point.